What's going on, guys? Welcome to another unlocked episode of Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and I'm sorry I missed you last week. I'm in the midst of recording new content and switching up a little bit of how the podcast and radio show works. Um, You'll see in future rollout episodes, but before this Friday's episode, I wanted to hit you with another unlocked episode. This year, during the DC Black Film Festival, we screened the documentary United Skates ahead of our Making Black Lives Matter Through Film panel. You've already heard from co-director Deanna Winkler a couple of episodes ago, but I wanted you all to be able to hear the conversation as it was unedited. Uh, I think it was a really great conversation, as these panels always are. I'm looking forward to next year's. Tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, September 12th, you'll have the opportunity to see the film during the Congressional Black Caucus if you live in the D.C. area. The link to the film screening, which is free, 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 free 99, (laughs) you can never go wrong with that, is in the show notes. So if I haven't promoted this film enough, here's one more opportunity to check it out. For now, I'll take you live to our 2018 Making Black Lives Matter Through Film panel just after the screening of United Skates. Enjoy. Did you enjoy the film? Did you enjoy the film? All right, how's everyone doing? Everyone good? All right, my name is EZ Street, and uh, it gives me a great pleasure to be here tonight, the DC Black Film Festival, to be able to moderate the panel on the film that you just saw, okay? At this time, we'd like to invite our panelists on stage. Come on up. And I will introduce them one by one. So, Damira, how are you? I'm great, how are you? All right, thanks for coming through. That is Erica right there. This is my good friend, Tim. And the gentleman in the middle here is Reggie from the film that you just saw. So, uh, the way we're gonna do this panel is uh, we're gonna ask questions, we're gonna talk up here and uh, bounce uh, around some of the ideas and things that we saw in the film. We'll talk about, uh, um, give our opinions and stuff in here. The film was chock full of uh, different parts that uh, we have a lot to say about. I took notes during the film. I'm sure they did as well. And then we'll open it up to uh, you to ask questions of anybody that's on the panel, okay? Okay? Y'all good? Say, we good. Y'all good? Y'all good? All right, little call and response. All right, so Reggie, man, um, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, I'm going to give you the first shot. You were in the film. Um, your first thoughts and opinion about what you saw. You were in the film, but when you first saw it, like, uh, give me your opinion of what you saw. Um, I think for the first time that I actually saw the film, it's what most people don't understand about a lot of documentaries is it's, it's, a, it's a journey in a real one, a very, very long journey. And um, so when I see the film, I see so many moments throughout the documentary, um, so many moments that, that put all this together. Uh, so it's so much, so many different things that I feel kind of like all at one time, um, but most of it is just a sense of community that I see. Um, I get a real big sense of community. I say, hey, that's the community that I'm a part of. I say, hey, those are skaters that I know. Um, I say, oh, I remember, wait a minute, I wasn't supposed to let you in my house that day. And then, okay, it's like, well, I was still cleaning. 
So it's just little stuff that you just kind of think about when you kind of are doing it, when you kind of um, see it for the first time. And most of it is just a culmination of everything that it takes to put it in. Um, so it's a lot of different ways, you know, that I feel like when I see it, but you feel a sense of relief too, because uh, what you're looking at is five years worth of work um, and a lot of time. Okay, so uh, let's talk about your skate life really quick. How long have you been skating? I've been skating since I was 12 years old. I'm 35, so, so a long time. In what city did you start in? I started in Chicago. Chicago? Yeah. Southside? Southside of Chicago. Okay. What high school you went to? Dunbar. Dunbar, okay. That's a famous school. Yeah. All right, so do we have any other skaters on the panel? Demir, Erica, neither one of you skate? Anybody else? Tim? Give him the mic. You haven't skated since when? I said I haven't skated since Reagan was president. Wow, that yeah, was a long man. Time. That's a dope. That's a, a dope back Negro time. right there. Throwback. Wow. So as a skater, someone that skated before, uh, your opinion of the film? Um, I have two two emotions. Uh, Reggie and I were talking to each other back and forth through the, during the film. Um, it made me mad first of all because the the fact that. Here we are in 2018, and we still are dealing with issues where, like, you know, there was a, a caption in there, we were all laughing, where they were showing the different types of nights, where it was, what, I, I want to say Malcolm Soul Mexican. night. Soul night, adult night. It's like, just call it what it is. It's 2018, just call it what it is. So I, that, that really touched me, and then looking at the emotions of the, the different people and, and what they were going through, when rinks were getting closed down, when you guys are trying to just skate. I'm skating. So you're dealing with security, all those issues. But it also made me kind of, I, I loved at the end that there was some, some level of a rebirth that was starting to happen, a movement to try to bring the skating back because it, it really is community-based and the community needs to have a place to express their emotions, express what they're going through. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Erica or Tamira. Your first thoughts on the film? Wow, what I thought it was a really powerful film, and I guess my first thought is I did not expect to uh, leave here and become a skating advocate. Um, and so I think that that's uh, ready to get your role on. I, I am, I am. So I grew up in Philly, and, it, and you know a lot of you know memories were jogged. Um, there's a there were quite a few uh, skating rings in Northeast that closed, and you know being you know 10, 11 didn't really think about some of the, the social impact that you see um, that you see in the film. But yeah, I think that was my first reaction, like, wow, I'm a skating advocate. Um, a lot of what I do is uh, distilling policy, working with lawmakers, working with policy stakeholders. Um, and I can tell you that increasingly, uh, film and imagery is becoming one of the most important tools in the toolkit uh, for movement building. And so I think there's a lot of people that would see that film um, and, uh, and really be uh, impacted by it and want to talk to their, their lawmakers and legislators about what they could do. I'm glad you went there with it because there's no way that we can talk about this film without talking about gentrification. Yes. To the lady on the end. Did you see that? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, and my first thoughts were uh, Rob Bass, It Takes Two. To make a thing go right? Yes. To make it out of sight? Absolutely, because that was my first thought when I'm thinking about my history and with skating. And when you said, are you a skater? I don't skate well, um, but I definitely like to skate. But um, this film really made me think about um, my students. Um, I'm a professor and I teach um, my student, graduate students how to address diversity and social justice issues. 
And I do that through film and documentary in my courses. And so I thought about how every time students have to do a project related to a minority group, they never pick black culture. I've never had any student pick black culture. They pick every other racial group or religious group. Um, so this is just something that, I mean, and I, I use uh, documentaries because a lot of times there's things that students are not gonna watch unless someone sits them down and requires them to see it. Um, but once you see something, you can't unsee it. So to me, um, I'm requiring you to open your eyes. And, and so I would definitely use this in my classroom. Very good, thank you. Reggie, um, first of all, I wanna ask the people out in the crowd, did you learn something by watching this film? Yes. You did, you learned something, didn't you? I did not know that this, I mean, I knew about skating. I've been skating since I was little, not at the level that you, you know, I skate kind of like her, just sometimes. But the whole skate culture, I did not know that, isn't it amazing? Well, I'm not surprised, especially being African-American. I mean, we always put our spin on something, on and we take it to the next level. So talk about the skate culture. The roller skating culture is extremely diverse, as you can see. Um, and no matter where you go, this is anywhere, all over the world, everybody's community is different. Um, you saw Chicago, you see Atlanta, you take a look at LA, they're all different. Um, we all have one thing in common, of course, naturally, that's roller skating, but what unites us all is positivity. Positivity, progression, a sense of community. There's so many different things that bring us all together, but roller skating is the one thing that we all have in common. It's where we, just like what Felicia was saying, it's that cuckoo, cuckoo. You know, it's that heartbeat for us, for our community. And for me, personally, roller skating is the only thing in my life, and anyone who knows me knows I'm really busy. And just like my wife said, I'm always working on something. It's the only time in my life that I feel completely free. Free. There's nothing holding me back. There's nothing else that I'm worried about. Bills that were due are not due anymore. <laughs> Kids, everything just stops for that little small moment in time. I feel as almost as if I'm connected to something deeper, like my ancestry. And I feel like through the wood and just through my wheels that I can feel them. And for that just little small moment in time, I feel freer than any other time in my life. And I think it's the same thing for a lot of us. Um, so in a lot of our communities, it's our sense of freedom. It's where we come together. It's where we fellowship. It's where we feel the love. It's where kids grow up. It, and just like you saw in Buddy's rink, I mean, it's a cultural institution. He's teaching history in a roller skating rink. You get African-American history in a roller skating rink. So there's so many different things that you see in the nuances that is the skate culture, but all over, you see that it's different in every community, but as you can see, a lot of our problems are still the same. Yes. They kept showing one skate move throughout the film, and I just, every time I saw this particular move, and it was kind of like a ballet move, and they were just going in, in a circle. I'm not sure what that is called. The spinning. The spinning just in one place. To me, it kind of like represented the way they slowed the film down and really zeroed in on the scene, it was like the skating was like a sense of freedom. Did you see freedom. that? Did you Almost feel that too? Especially speak in Calvin. Speak on that. Yeah, especially in Calvin. You know, the world goes around and around and around and around. Mm -hmm. And you just don't know where you're going to stop. 
Sometimes you think you're headed in the right direction and you're tilting to the left and you're shifting to the right. Just trying to find your sense of balance. Not only just in the world, but in your sense of community and identity and who you are. So the more you spin, the more you try to find your place. And that's what we, what we find in, in, you know, in the skate world. We find our place. We, find, we see that we belong there. And a sense of belonging goes a long ways for a child, for an adult. You know what it, like, what it feels like to feel like you belong to something? You fight for it. You fight harder for it than anything else that you've ever fought for in your life because you feel like you belong there. And that's what we do. In our skate community, we fight the fights. We fight the hard fights. We fight the city. We fight racism. We fight classism. We fight all of these different things going in a circle mm. over 200 times. So think about that. Thank you. Well put. Well said. Tim, now uh, for the... Y'all, this guy is like one of the film gurus of our city, of the DMV. He's out of this world when it comes to movies and film. And I haven't, we worked together some years ago, and I still kind of follow him and, and watch what he's doing when it's in regards to films. So I know you saw the film straight out of Compton. I did. Okay. Not to change the subject, but right. just to show... I like what they showed in this film, the connection between hip-hop culture and the skate culture and the importance of that. Could you speak on that? Well, to me, it was actually, I, I'm gonna, I was telling Reggie, I wasn't really familiar. I mean, I, I, when I told you uh, at the top that I was a skater, I skated in Newark at Twin City, like back in the day. Um, and at that time, we didn't have, there wasn't, we were listening to like R&B, but it wasn't like a mix of hip hop because hip hop was still relatively new at that point. So I wasn't aware while watching the film, but I did make the connection when I saw the scene from Straight Outta Compton and this, you know, in Jersey, uh, knowing about Latifah and, and Naughty by Nature and a lot of these other artists that came through at that point. Um, I, I really wasn't aware, Easy. I mean, I'm, I'm being perfectly honest. I mean. That, until we saw that together, that, that, that connection made on screen, I would have never put those two together, at least during the time that I was skating. Wasn't it very interesting to see these two cultures merge together, the skating and the performances and the rappers as well? Did you find that interesting? I, I, I do find it interesting from a standpoint and, and to, to kind of talk or follow what Reggie was talking about. We, we put our spin on everything we do. Yeah. You know, it, whether it's fashion, our hair, the, the cars, our clothes, everything. Um, I'm not surprised at all uh, that they made that connection and that it continues to this day, I mean, in this culture. So, yeah, I mean, that, that would be my opinion on that because as I said, that's something I really just kind of picked up in watching the film for the first time. Thank you. I just found that part very interesting because they, they spoke on the fact that um, rappers, they didn't have anywhere to perform. So I remember the first time I ever saw anyone really break dancing was at the skating rink. The first time I ever seen someone really go down and spin around and do their little moves and all of that in the 80s when I first started DJing was at a skating rink. So that, that, that part of the film kind of struck home. Now to the ladies. Um, let's talk about lemonade. <laughs> See, y'all already know where I'm going with this, right? No, really. Lemonade. We have always, as a people, found a, a way to make it do what it do. Or if it's not working, we'll find a way 
to be able to make something happen out of nothing. What did you see in the film that depicted that? That's not a hard question, is it? That's not, Kevin? That's not too hard of a question, is it? Well, I'll start here. One of the things that Reggie said that really resonated with me and really popped to me from the film uh, was really this idea of uh, safe spaces. Right, and uh, we're having a lot of conversations right now about sort of a third place, and this is coming out of sort of some of the things that we've seen with Starbucks. Really, where are their safe spaces? Um, when you're not at work, when you're not at home, where can you be free? Where, you, where can you be creative? Um, and so when I think about making, you know, lemons out of lemonade, figuring out these spaces and curating these spaces and protecting these spaces. Um, so I think it's, a, it's an important kind of public square conversation um, that we need to be having around this. And I never would have thought of skating as one of those places until seeing this film. Absolutely, and that's what I saw too. Any other particular parts of the film that you saw that kind of like made you like, wow, they did this to us, but look what we done did anyway to make it happen anyways. What did you see? And I'll give mine in a second. Well, when I was thinking about the making lemons out of lemonade and maybe because uh, psychology related, I was thinking about the mom who was using skating to kind of help, you know, bring her son's behavioral issues back. Um, and so, yeah, we do, we take different routes for different things. So, you know, mental health, going to see a psychologist probably wasn't something that was helpful for her kid, but she said when he needs to let that anger and aggression out, she's going to take him to the skating ring. And so, you know, I looked at this black mother going, yeah, she's going to, she's going to do what she needs to do to make sure that her kid, um, you know, has a good, you know, a, an outlet for um, his anger, his feelings, his aggression. And when he didn't have that, the film also showed that when he lost that space, what um, happened? What happened? Yeah, very good, thank you. Reggie, back to you. Your lemonade moment, well, your part of the film was all about the lemonade because you saw a situation where you couldn't skate, you had all these miles that you had to travel, you went to the guy, you met the guy in the film, and, and uh, you created your own, did, what night, what did you call it? You called it adult night? It, I called it brand new old school. Okay, that so that was the real name? name? Yeah, that's a real name. Okay. <laughs> no made up, Ain't nothing pretend in this film. <laughs> All of it's real. Um, it's called a brand new old school, basically a new spin on something that's an old pastime of ours. Um, so I'm, I'm not a talker, I'm more of a doer. Now I can talk to you while I'm doing, but I'm not just gonna talk and not do. So I'm one of those people that likes to deal in solutions and not problems. We always are aware of what the problems are. I mean, I could ask everybody in here, what kind of problem do you have? And then I can ask you, what kind of solution do you have? It's very, it, it, a lot of times we concentrate so much on the problem that we never start to use that energy to find solutions. So what I wanted to do was just find a solution. I mean, in North Carolina at the time, um, the rinks were pretty much not having adult nights. The one rink that actually was, was located in Raleigh, North Carolina and they went out of business. Um, they ended up getting bought out, and luckily, um, they, the rink actually came back, but what you saw in the film was that duration of time when it wasn't around. So now, what can I do? Am I just supposed to sit idly by and do nothing, or should I try something? So that's what I tried. I went to Kurt, who was the rink owner at the time, and I asked him to host a free adult skate night. Um, one that could welcome He went with that. Free? Wait, free? free. No. 100% free, trust me. 
<laughs> and you know, we sat in that conversation that you saw in the film for hours, and I was just telling him, I said, one thing you gotta see is you need to see what the power of our community is. You want us to support your business, okay, well support us too. And one way that you can do, do that is by extending your hand. And in their business, they extend their rank, it's like extending their hand to the community. When they extend their hand and they say, I say, hey, look, my community is this big. My community has this. My community needs these safe spaces. And l allow them to come. Let me show you what this community can do. Let me show you how big we are and how many skaters do not frequent your rink that could frequent your rink mm. if they were aware. So the one thing we had to do is create it. And on that night, it went successful. We had a lot of people that came out. It continued for a while. And then uh, myself and my wife, we ended up getting stationed in Fort Polk, Louisiana. And we went down there. And the, the, the skate night continued on for a little while. And um, Kurt is actually out of the business now. Um, but there's a new rink owner that is taken in there, you know, continuing on with adult nights. And a lot of communities are all fighting the same things, you know, in their communities. Everybody's just trying to make the best of what it is that they can do. And at the end of the day, we need to concentrate more on solutions and less on problems. Well said. Tim. So we, while y'all watching the film here, we watched the film from up there. There was a part in the film where the lights went out in the rink. While the brother was still skating? While the brother was still skating. And I heard Tim, it was like, I could hear, he was like, <sighs> you okay, bro? No, man, what, was that all, what was that all about? That could have also been the ending of the movie, man. See, I'm, I'm a critic, right? So for me, I watch films and I kind of look at moments, man. I look at how you know, those stories are paced, how they cut, how they edit it. That was a powerful scene because, you know, I, I, if I remember, that was the last night. And, um, I, right, and so they, was, they were close to the rain down and he was determined that he was just going to skate until there was like no light in the place. It would have been interesting to find out if they had to let that scene run. If he was still in there skating, ow, I fell down, I couldn't see. But I thought that was really a powerful scene. I thought there were a lot of really good, powerful, strong moments in this story. Um, one of the ones that struck me, and I wanted to bring this one up, is when they kept showing all of the different ranks, like, you know, this one was established, this date closed on this date. And I noticed that all these rinks that were popular and have been used are still standing, and they're empty, how does that benefit the community? And I wish at some point the filmmakers would have probably gotten a little more of the other side to kind of explain. I mean, we know what the reason was that they wanted these ranks shut down, but to hear some of the explanations on how you have a business in a community that needs a certain structure or needs this space, and you just won't provide it to them and let the buildings just stand empty, non-functioning. So that, I, that's one of the things that I really wish I could get an answer to. Well, you know what? We could say the same thing about Republic Gardens right now on U Street. This is very true. We, we could say, say that about We could say that about a lot of the clubs that used to be in D.C. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good, yeah, good question. Okay, so for the ladies. Oh, you wanted to piggyback. Go ahead. Yeah, just to piggyback off of that, I thought, um, I think that's a really interesting question, right? Because, you know, the power of documentary films is sometimes like, 
you get hit over the head with the message, right? And it's incredibly didactic. And other times, it's sort of you know footnotes, you know policy footnotes, I would call them. And so what I loved about the film is that they didn't sort of beat us over the head. Like we saw what was happening. We saw this was gentrification. You know, we saw this was about criminal justice. We saw this was about um, behavioral psychology. We saw that this was you know about safe spaces. Um, and they didn't have to beat us over the head with it. But a person leaving is going to say, what can I do? And I think that's you know where advocates come in and say, hey, you know these you know these spaces are abandoned and left vacant because people are trying to calculate what are the you know what is the uh, what is the uh, the type of wealth that can be generated for spaces around that area and what is sort of the the 10-year plan for that area and what happens to communities particularly communities of color in the interim. Um, so I think that's one of one of the powerful things about the film is like you got it, but you didn't have to hit a, a hit us over the head with it. Okay, Erica. I have a question for you, or you have a comment first. No, I mean, my thing was, you know, a lot of times we, we definitely focus on like what we can do within our communities, but one of the things that I think we fail to, to kind of ask or project is to tell the people who are doing the gentrification and who are doing the pushing out is to shine a light or hold a mirror up to them and let them see, like, we know what you're doing. You know, we know what it is. We're not calling it gentrification. We're calling it what it is, which is, you know, it's it's racism. It's trying to disband the unity in our communities. And everybody knows that unity is power. And so whenever there's spaces where there are minority groups that are congregating, we want to dismantle that. So, you know, it's great to kind of show that and talk within our communities, but then it's also our responsibility to then turn that mirror and say, okay, for those of you who are the ones who are doing the shutting down and pushing us out, we see you. And we're not just gonna do something, but we're also gonna let you know that we're doing, we're taking action against specifically what you're trying to do to our communities, which I think we kind of leave out a little bit. Okay, thank you. Uh, final question for everyone. We're gonna start with Reggie, and then we're gonna go ahead and ask questions uh, of uh, anyone in the crowd. So if you have a question, you might want to get ready for that. Now, um, one of my favorite parts of this film was when they showed the older black skaters, when they got kind of gave us a history lesson. Uh, they showed us the old photos of everyone looking like they had on the church clothes and the ring looking so elegant. And I thought that was amazing. That was one of my favorite parts to see. Uh, and also to see the older skaters be able to speak on the art form and talk about you know back in the day and how it was and some of the trials and tribulations that they experienced in regards to uh, racism, white supremacy, the KKK and all that other stuff. I would like to get your opinion on that part of the film and I want everyone to answer that question. I see the ones who taught me how to skate. <laughs> I see the skaters and the generations who came before us and paid the price, a hefty price for me to be able to go to a skating rink at all. Um, one thing in connection uh, with the scene, on the senior scene, in Chicago, back in the early 1940s, there was a rink called White City Park. Now, White City Park was known as White City because you could see the lights, they were so bright, you could see them for miles away. One of the very first sit-ins that ever happened, um, more so in the civil rights era, took place in that rink. And skaters went and wanted to be admitted to the roller rink. So they demonstrated and ended up getting that, the name of that rink changed from White City Park, which was majority all white population, to Park City. And that rink also gave birth to the black rink manager, which is Jimmy Davis. 
So around that time frame, some of those skaters that you saw in that senior scene, they, they were there. They were the ones who were demonstrating that day. They were the ones who went out there to fight for something. Now, it was very important to them to be admitted to the roller rink. Now, why was it so important? It's because it's something that you wanted to take away from us. It's, it's choice. At the end of the day, it comes down to choice. We want the choice to choose to patronize your business or not. We don't want you to make the decision for us. Allow us to make the decision for ourselves. So those senior skaters that you saw that was in that scene, they come from that era, from that time. And it's a very, very important time. And it's something that we should always understand that someone had to pay the price for us to do what it is that we do today. And with them paying that price, it's important that we remember that every single time that we go out and we go into the world. So when I see that scene, I see that sense of history and that empowers me. When I see a scene like that, it empowers me because I know on Tuesday morning, I can get in there and not skate at all and I can get filled with knowledge, filled with so many different things that are reflective of their era, the generations that I was not around for. I can get guidance in life, not just more so kind of just like in the roller skating ring. There I can find you know, my community advocates and find those that are actually not only have already fought the fights, but they won. So for me, it's a very, very, it's one of the most important scenes to me in the film um, because it just, it, it's reflective and it shows you that skating is not just for kids, it's for everyone. I was just, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about, you know, all the sacrifices that have been made because I didn't just want to keep it at skating. When you talked about what, what kind of struck me about that scene is I thought about my grandfather. I thought about, you know, older African-Americans who had come, not just in skating, but in any form, whether it was athletics, finance, the music, arts, whatever. There's always been people who have had to sacrifice in order for us to be where we are today. Um, and I thought it was really powerful watching that senior, that senior night and watching them kind of pass the wisdom down. I forget the character in the film who was Batman, who was talking about this is where he goes to get his, his kind of some wisdom from some of these folks and, and kind of how they imprint on him. And then he in turn, at some point down the line, will do the same to some other younger person uh, trying to keep that culture alive. So. Um, as I said, I just thought the movie, to me, overall, and, and, uh, in addition to that scene, had a lot of power to it, and it, and it kind of hit me in a way that I didn't expect. I didn't expect the film to kind of encompass elements of what civil rights would be, a parts of our history, our culture. I'm thinking I'm watching the skate movie, you guys pulled me in, and then you just kind of hit me over the head with a message, which I really appreciate, so I really want to be, as you said earlier, an advocate uh, to talk about not just skating, but other forms in our culture that seem to be kind of going away, disappearing. Demir. I had a similar reaction. I thought, wow. I mean, well, first at the, at the end when they were closing the rank, I teared up and I'm like, I didn't expect to cry. <laughs> um, but, you know, like you, um, just thinking about the rich cultural legacy that's there and how do we memorialize that? And how is that reflected in the museum that's, you know, less than a mile from here? And, and do we see that there? And how can we start to be, you know, more thoughtful and deliberate uh, about that? And then even those regional differences. Um, and I think that we could probably dig a lot deeper into to what is kind of in, infusing those regional differences. So, 
you know, first, the first step is knowing, so what did you say? Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, and then, you know, what can we do to memorialize this, but also save so many of the ranks that are still, that are still exist, they're still with us. Um, well, I guess my thoughts when seeing the, uh, the elderly was, I, I wonder if they ever thought that what they did in that moment for a skating ring would have been important today. And so I think it's important to kind of let young people know that something that may seem so small to you right now um, could mean a lot, you know, in your future. It could be setting the stage for something, you know, bigger. So, you know, there's lots of things that we can, you know, have young people advocate for right now. I mean, right now the biggest thing is, you know, we're still talking about Black Lives Matter. And, you know, there's a lot of, of young people who are not getting behind the movement. They don't recognize that, you know, some of the small things that they can do can make a big difference right now and in the future, so. Thank you. Um, and I'll just piggyback on, um, oh, okay, that's the final one. Um, grab this mic. Really quick, I'll just say this. Uh, when I saw them, like, like hey, y'all can't skate with us, it made me think about, like, the swimming pool. You know, wait a minute, hold on. There's a, and this is 2018, there's a bunch of black people swimming. 911, can you please? In 2018. That's a whole other panel right there. Okay, so um, our good friend, sir, what's your, what's, what's your name? Uh, Kevin Sampson, uh, founder of the DC Black Film Festival. Uh, <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, thank you. All right, so, um, uh, and then you can definitely kick it out to the crowd, so definitely crowd, please get your questions ready. One of the things in doing this panel, I think that you guys are all uh, superheroes in your own right. So I wanna ask each and every one of you in your own uh, perspectives, um, how you think it's important that we use film as an art uh, to make Black Lives Matter. So for you, Dr. James, uh, PhD, Francis Marion University, I would like for you to tell the audience a little bit about Superwoman Syndrome um, your study with that, but then um, how you think that, you know, films and films like this can be powerful for you, Demera, you know, being grassroots activists um, and, you know, getting behind certain films as you've done in the past, like how that's important. Um, Reggie, for you, the fact that <laughs> none of the directors, both Deanna Winkler or Tina Brown, are African American. Talk a little bit about what it meant for you for to have, as they like to say, an ally, you know, um, create this film and tell your story and get it out there, kind of bridging that gap and is it important. Tim, as the president of the Washington DC Area Film Critics Association, we talk about this all the time, how <laughs> coming to a festival like this, we'll see our stories. When we go to Tribeca, Sundance, whatever, it's never real, I mean, we might get one story that's ours, but why that's important. And then for you, easy, you know, just on the radio, Right, you, you do a lot with audio, but just the film and like the, the visual impact. So I know, I'm sorry I hogged up probably like 10 minutes, but <laughs> I do seriously want you guys to give your perspective on that. Okay, can you repeat my question again? <laughs> Dr. James, please talk about the superwomen syndrome and, and then uh, just like how you think that film can help with that. Okay, um, so, um, my research area is looking at the superwoman schema and its impact on depression and anxiety 
among African-American women. So if you don't know what the superwoman schema is, it is the propensity for uh, black women to extend help and support to family and friends at the detriment of their own mental and physical health. Um, and so the superwoman schema basically comes from our roots um, of being enslaved and having to basically take care of um, anyone who was enslaved with us because our families were torn apart and so we unified um, amongst ourselves and we formed families and we gave birth and we kept working and we took care of the master's children and we kept working and we had to do that with a smile or at least with, in, with indifference um, because if you showed any type of weakness or disdain for your situation, it could mean your death. And so we've carried this into our future, into our present, to where um, we have to maintain or hold our families together without addressing our own personal issues. And so we're seeing a lot of um, depression, anxiety among African-American women. We're seeing a lot of suicide among African-American women. And we are finding that a lot of that comes from this idea that you have to be a superwoman and you can't ask for help um, or seek or at least acknowledge that you are struggling. Otherwise, it indicates that you're weak. So, um, what's the second part of my question? Sure, so um, I think the, the beauty of documentaries is that they're real and it's a lot easier to hear about something and be disconnected from it. But when you actually hear the story of someone's real life, um, I think we are better able to make a connection with that. And so, you know, seeing films, and there are films that are, you know, starting to look at, um, again, things in our community. And this is, you know, the Superwoman is one of those things in our community. And so when we hear the stories, of um, our people and our struggles, I think that it allows us to resonate with some of those messages and at least acknowledge that we're experiencing some of those things um, and at least maybe even open up a dialogue because a lot of our, our issues we talk about but we you know maybe don't talk about a mixed company or maybe we you know kind of minimize things and it allows I think these documentaries allow, um, us to see them as real and the power of, um, of our issues and being able to talk about them. Do you remember your question? <laughs> I do. <laughs> that was Shay. <laughs> uh, so I work at a firm called the Raven Group. Um, about half of what I do is when I'm on the tech policy side, so with Google and, and Facebook Oculus. On the other half, I would call it racial justice with uh, you know, emerging and traditional civil rights groups. And increasingly, there's a third tranche to my work, and that is doing, you know, running social impact campaigns around films. And what I find is really magic happens when you can combine good stories with good policy. And increasingly, this has been a tool um, on the Hill for moving the ball and doing sort of the long you know, schlag of movement building. So I've worked with a film called Raising Bird Tea, which is in another part of North Carolina. It was an eight-year portrait of three uh, young men coming of age in Bird Tea, rural Bird Tea, North Carolina. Uh, within a 100-mile radius, there was 27 prisons and only two major employers, the Purdue Chicken Factory and the prisons themselves. 
And so one of the things we were able to do with that film was show it at a number of you know, large education conferences. And we had reporters there, so we had uh, Forbes do a series on economic isolation in rural communities. We developed a rural collaborative around that community to bring in businesses. Um, so there's a you know there's some real you know power. There's kind of both grassroots, which Kevin mentioned, you know tactics that we can employ, but also you know thinking about kind of federal federal policy as well. Um, when you look at uh, the conversations that we're having around consent now and narrative change that came from the invisible war with military sexual assault and with the hunting ground on campus sexual assault. Um, and earlier when I was talking about sometimes you can have policy footnotes in film, uh, one of the most powerful examples that I've seen of impact film is a, a film by Ava DuVernay called The Middle of Nowhere. And this was a love story. But what you saw is how expensive it was to stay in touch, for this woman to stay in touch with her husband. So yeah, so we're talking about $2 a minute. And um, Mignon Clyburn um, at the FCC used that film you know, use that film to lower the cost um, of phone calls between prisoners and their families. And we know sort of the, the long slog of like, or excuse me, we know that how that impacts recidivism um, and, and broader criminal justice issues. So I, I could go on and on, um, but uh, you know, really we're in, a, we're in an interesting moment, right? Because the house might flip um, and a lot of members have been keeping their issues alive through film, you know, when you think about Frederica Wilson and bullying and hazing. Uh, and so this is, this is a tool, this is a really important tool and I think we, we can't, um, you know, underscore enough how little people think about some of these issues. You know, most people read, you know, read or absorb the news 15 minutes a day, but they see film or, you know, go to some other platform for TV for four to five hours. Um, so there's some, some really powerful things that we can do through film, um, especially when we, we start to draw direct lines to policy. Those are all amazing things. Uh, let me tell you, it's I mean, just superwoman, you know? That's how I see my wife. My wife's like superwoman, as you saw in the film. She's like, I'm over here working on the adult night. She's over there trying to knock out 50 push-ups for PT <laughs> and different things. My wife's a soldier. And, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I think a lot of people identify with, especially a lot of African-American women out there. Um, you know, they identify with having, being stretched thin. You know, sometimes it's about that support. I mean, me and my wife, it's like the hammer and the nail, you know? So, she's the nail, I'm the hammer. Take, take her away, what am I doing? <laughs> so, at the end of the day, you know, we, we work well with each other to kind of maintain that support. And, um, but, in, in what you were saying, you know, exactly as far as just kind of like using film, you know, to change policy. And that's what we're hoping to do with this film. Um, when we screen at the Congressional Black Caucus, um, we're going to hope to try to change some different things that's going to be coming up here in September. So hopefully everybody that enjoyed the film, did you enjoy the film tonight? Yeah. So we hope that you all, yeah. you know, and support us for the Congressional Black Caucus as we screen it there. Um, I think that's uh, September 12th. Is that, is, that, is that right, uh, Selena? I think, it, I think it's September 12th and it's free. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, September 12th. We're going to be screening um, the Congressional Black Caucus at about 4 o'clock. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's a great time to show all of these different things that you see in the film. Like, what are we fighting? Rezoning. Tax issues. As Buddy said in the film, it's a lot of $5. $96,000 in taxes he was paying on that. 
Now, so what we're looking at and talking about trying to do now and some of those things that we were talking about is shifting the rink in a different direction to change how people look at them. So myself and Buddy um, are actually working on um, not only a cultural arts program, but a multifaceted mentorship program, um, which is a nonprofit, which we call the Rich Kids. And the Rich Kids is pretty much like a mentorship program and it teaches the kids through the model of a skating rink, the business. It teaches them the business of a roller skating rink and it also gives them a sense of mentorship and different things that they can learn throughout it. It teaches them how all the different things that you can learn in the skating rink. I'm talking from being a patron to being a skater, you know, to learning how to handle the books and all kinds of different things. Um, and we're also looking towards shifting more so kind of like to protect our institution by landmarking them, um, which is also, you know, a big thing that we'll also go and get into pushing because a lot of, as you can see from the film, a lot of historical things have happened in the roller skating rinks. So you'd be surprised what part of history took place in between, you know, those four walls. So at the end of the day, I think there are certain things that we can do and shift and you all can do it as well. You can follow us. Um, you know, you can follow us on Twitter, you can follow us on Facebook, and you can get in the campaign and start to support and advocate um, for a lot of the different things that we are working on. Um, you can also um, find out a lot of information and send us your email or give us anybody who wants to kind of keep in contact about more of the film and want to find out some different ways as to how you can help us. You can get with me or myself or Salida, who's actually in the front, who's our uh, marketing strategist. Um, so, you know, these are all the different things that you can do to help support. Before you leave here, make a difference. And how you can do that is by lending your support, lending your voice, giving us something to rally with, give us someone to rally with, it's power numbers. And if we want to start to change things in our community, let's start by saving some of the things that matter to us the most. Um, I wanted to start by saying in uh, 1917, Woodrow Wilson hosted a screening of Birth of a Nation, D.W. Oh, Griffith's oh, film. Oh, man, why, why you bring this out, man? You told me to talk about film, so. Wow, you gonna go there with it? Woodrow Ooh. Wilson described watching this film. Turn that bridge down, man. That bridge gotta with go. With lightning, right? History with lightning. Film is a powerful force. We've all talked about it. Uh, for me, film literally has been 95% of my life, so I'm not going to tell my age, but film has literally been my entire life. Studying it, teaching it, curating it, reviewing it, watching it for pleasure, and sometimes like the night for pain. Um, to me, film is everything, man. And I think that when Kevin, I guess you hit me with that question, and, and you're right, we do talk about it a lot. Representation matters, and I think part of, it's a much longer conversation that I can't have right now, but from studying film, as long as I have, and understanding how we've been portrayed um, over the years, and not just African Americans, but other cultures as well. Um, when we talk about the film festival space, you know, the film festivals, I think, initially started in 1932. Uh, it's only been within the last two decades that African-American film festivals have started to pop up. Um, and it was largely because, you're right, we would go to these larger mainstream festivals and we wouldn't be represented. And to a, to a certain extent, we're still not represented in the huge numbers. And, and let's not even talk about the people who look like you and like, look like a lot of people in this room who don't attend these festivals and get a chance to see these films and influence and impact. Um, but I just wanted to say briefly before I pass it to you to talk radio easy, is that film means a lot because 
it's the, we can take any issue when you talk about documentaries. For me, documentaries are always basically one-sided. It's like whoever's making the documentary has a point to prove. I'm gonna film it according to this point. So, not that that's a bad thing. I mean, because if it's an issue you care about, whoever's gonna create that documentary is gonna kind of focus in on it, drill down on it, and give you all the particulars. You heard me say earlier, I wish I would have got a little more from the other side, but that wasn't the focus of what we watched tonight. So the power, film has a lot of power in the images. And before I, before I give it to you easy, one of the things that I remember listening to Dr. King talk about is uh, in the mid 60s when they were fighting for civil rights, it was so important to, to, to have the cameras be there in moments like Selma and in moments uh, when Bull Connor was letting dogs loose because it's one thing to advocate for something, but when you can turn the television on and see it happening, that changed people's minds, and that's what film absolutely has the power to do. So all the panels that are up here, you're absolutely right with the different projects and how strong film is, so. Well done. Go ahead, Rich. Go ahead. Just to touch on Kevin's uh, question that he had earlier, and just like you know, he was saying about you know, the filmmakers. Um, Tina and Deanna, of course, naturally, they're not skaters. Um, <laughs> So they're not skaters, and they're not a part of our community. So when you look at them, you say, wait a minute, they, they did all this, and you know, so and so on. Here's an interesting thing about Tina and Deanna. When I first met them, they came from, from New York on an overnight bus trip to Virginia. They had ran into some skaters out in Central Park. Um, they were filming the Central Park skaters out in New York City. And they ran into some skaters because they were filming out there. Originally, they were doing a film about the Central Park skaters because they thought that was the end of roller skating. They figured, well, this must be the last you know, remaining skaters that are out and they're just kind of all here having a good time. So they ended up running into a skater named Denisha who was actually a part of our skate community. And she said, uh, skating's not dead. It just basically went underground. And he was like, what do you mean by underground? So she said, well, we're headed to Virginia. We're gonna go to an event. So you should come with us and we'll show you what real skating is. So they hopped on an overnight bus from New York, went to Virginia, and what they did not know is that they were walking into our community. The very first thing that they saw when they got there was basically what you saw like in the film, which was kind of all of us skating in the parking lot and different things, but what they thought was that everybody was from Virginia. They thought that all the skaters that were out there were from Virginia, when in actuality they were from all over the US. Um, and that was actually the very first time that we met. Um, I would have been the first that, that actually got introduced to them. And the very first time that I saw them, I said, they're one or two people. They're either the news or the police. <laughs> so, because I used to ask around, and as we do in the skate world, we got to check your background out to make sure you're supposed to be here. Because we can tell our own. We can tell skaters. And uh, they didn't look like skaters. They didn't have any skaters. I asked around, I said, do you know that? He was like, nah, I know. I said, man. You sure you don't know them? I must ask like 50 people that day, and nobody knew who they were. And then I talked to them, and then that's when I figured out that they were more so kind of filmmakers, and you know, were kind of doing some other things. Um, a lot of people, you know, some people think that more so kind of like they came in and told the story, and everything just went from there. It actually didn't go like that at all. Um, one thing we're very, we're very protective of our community, and we're very protective of the images that people see. We're very protective of what you see and you witness when you take a look at our community. And we wanted that to be very clear. So the question was, were they the right people to do it? 
Now, of course, naturally, as African-Americans, we want to tell our own stories. We want to tell our own narratives. We want to tell our perspectives, right? But one of the biggest things, one of the biggest reasons why we want to tell it is because we want to do what? We want to create change. We want to make you aware, right? So how do we do that if all we do is tell our own stories? And we don't always create change. We make people aware. Sometimes we, we get past that line and we create the change that we're looking for. But sometimes change starts with one person. So with Tina and Diana, what I knew is that if we could convince them and could show them our community and them not being skaters, them not being African-American, them not being from any of the communities that are reflected in our national skate community, they are from Australia and Hawaii, and we don't have any skaters from Australia or Hawaii. So we said if we could convince them and they could fall in love with us as people, then we knew that it was possible to change more than just them. And sometimes change just starts with one person. We were able to change their lives through roller skating because when they encountered us, it changed their lives. They became a part of our family and we became a part of theirs. They became a part of our community and we became a part of theirs. So because we showed them that love and we welcomed them in, and even though, you know, it's always rough around, you know, along the way because you're trying to figure out everything that's kind of happening, but they were able to really get in deep. And what you saw was our story, but told through their lens. And it's important that we understand that sometimes working together is our best chance for change. Thank you. I'm going to yield my time because they basically beat it down. I have nothing more to add except this. The storytelling, the filmmaking by us is very important. Our story's gotta be told. And whether you're a filmmaker or not, if you don't make films, go see these films, support these films, talk about these films uh, with your friends if you make films. Find, there's so many stories out there that it's incredible, and these stories gotta get told. Like when, when, when Tim brought up the piece, um, the piece about Woodrow Wilson Bridge, yeah, I cringed because I saw the film uh, last week, The Black Klansman, produced by Jordan Peele and also uh, Spike Lee, right? Did you guys see that film? When he's mentioned the name Woodrow Wilson, uh, it, uh, a thunderbolt went through my body just thinking about we have a bridge in the DMV named after a man that used that film. Wow. Okay, so let's go ahead and get to the questions for the panel. State your name and ask your question. Hi, my name is Leah Johnson. I'm one of the filmmakers as well. And I really commend you guys on an incredible, you know, being part of an incredible piece, but also just the panel's been lovely to listen to. This is your film. This is not my film, okay. not at all. I had a film earlier today. But I, I wanted to ask, uh, I guess all of you, but I guess my, my biggest question really is directed to, um, sorry, the skater, um, Reggie, thank you. I was curious, um, I mean, we all know that communities ebb and flow and, and shift over time, and the best ones are able to, you know, reinvent themselves in such a way that continues to incorporate the old and the new. And I wonder, um, as you bring this film around and you begin showing it to people, if you have thought about how the community will change as it's exposed to more people who fall in love with you and want to come and watch you skate and actually want to bring all their friends. Right. And then the community will change naturally. And I'm curious if you think about that and 
yeah, what you think about that. I welcome and, it. And if the community feel it's strong enough to withstand an overhaul of the attention of America making a niche community mainstream. Um, one of the biggest things to understand is what you saw in the film is a window. It is not a door. Doors in and out. Window, you can look inside, but you can't quite go inside. Well, that's what's happening at a lot of rinks. We got windows, we got doors. Some rinks that were welcome in, other rinks that were not. So when I'm, one thing I'm 100% for is welcoming that type of change. Because the more diversity, the more people that come in, the more people that pick up a pair of roller skates and get happening, guess what? The more lives we save. The more people get in the rinks, the more people get in there and start to and get together or start to work ideas. Maybe we can change some other things outside of just the problems that we're fighting in our community. Maybe it can be a space that we can come together and not only just roller skate, but start to work on some solutions. So something like what you're talking about is a fantastic thing. I think in the fact of it going mainstream, it's something that's necessary right now. Um, the more exposure and the more people see, the more people are aware of a lot of the issues that everyone is fighting. Um, and they're aware of the issues that we were fighting in the film. So I think the, the bigger that it gets, the more the story is cold, told and the hopefully the better chance we stand of changing the narrative that some of those rinks that you saw we can save. Um, in some of these communities we can really start to bring back. Um, one of my favorite characters, actually my favorite character in the whole film, um, is Shannon, um, Felicia's son. I feel like he's one of the most powerful characters in this film. You know, as a child, I felt like him. I felt like I was caged in my own emotions and my own feelings. And you want to get it out. But he was intelligent enough to be able to tell you those things. And a lot of times with the youth, they don't really say much. So you don't know what they're fighting. You don't know the battles that they're fighting. But through roller skating, he was able to find that sense of freedom and that sense of understanding to make people aware that he used roller skating to basically create that type of therapy, you know? He was, roller skating was his therapy. And without it, you know, he fell victim to what so many of our youth fall victim to. So hopefully with the exposure of this film, it can start to change a lot of those different things. So the bigger it gets, hopefully the more lives we can save and the better the change is. Salida. My name is uh, Vincent Wonger. I'm not gonna stand, I'm very tall, um, but I'm gonna ask a rhetorical question, and that is, if I, if I said lacrosse, what's the first or second thing that comes to mind? Okay, just, just think in your head, okay? So the reason I ask you that question is, this film kind of scared me, and I thought it scared me in a very powerful way because what most people don't know about lacrosse is it's not a white sport. It was born on reservations by Native Americans they dominate that sport. They're some of the best athletes in that sport. But if you think about lacrosse today, that's the last thing you think. I can think of 100 things about that sport before I think about them, and they created it. So the reason this film scared me is it's not enough to just save something like skating, which is indicative of kind of a black cultural institution, just like the black church, just like jazz. So how can we save something like this that is a part of our cultural fabric but in a way that doesn't prevent people from stripping us out of it. The very people we either helped create it or make it dynamic in the first place. And it's happening in New Orleans where they're struggling to find new uh, young musicians. It's happening in baseball where you don't think about us anymore when we used to uh, dominate that sport as well. So again, how can we help save our cultural institutions in a way that also doesn't strip us 
from what made it dynamic in the first place. I think one thing that we can do is you preserve legacy and history. One thing you can do is you can pass it on. Um, passing it on to the next generation, just like my grandfather say, sometimes it's very hard to do something about today, but you can always do something about tomorrow. So, so you know, I think that's a good place to start. Start by passing on, just like you were saying with lacrosse. Teach your son, teach your daughter, pass it on and make that, make that cultural fabric have as many patches and pieces as possible that are reflective of the communities that it comes from. Bring that interest and do what I do. What I do, as far as like production, music, dance, I take it back into the communities that need it the most. I teach it for free. I travel all over the world and I teach cultural you know, dances, I teach cultural information, I teach history. Why? Why do I give all of that knowledge and give all of these things for free? Because that's how I empower my community. The more we get in there and we start to teach a lot of these things and give it to the youth, the more we can protect the things that you're talking about. So we have to kind of protect a lot of our legacy and our history by basically not only just keeping it a part of our community, but a, a part of our cultural heritage by passing it on. And the more you can pass it on, the more people you can privy to it, the more of us you can hopefully see in it. So that that way it's not just something that's just reflective, you know, and just kind of seems like it's weeding us out and we don't have an interest in it. And part of the reason why that is is because no one's really passing it on. You think about it, how many people, raise your hand in here if you roller skated before, if you ever hit a rink before. Now keep your hand raised if your children skate. You see what I'm saying? So when you look around, you see how quick the hands go down because when you stepped out of it, there's a whole generational gap that never saw it, that doesn't even know. There are people for the first time that now know that not only do African Americans skate, but they're big, they're powerful. They have multiple generations of skaters. So legacy, I think, is one of the most important things and the best way we can do that is by using our talents and gifts and things that we have and passing along to others. So I think that would be the best place to start to start to make that change is to just keep passing it on as much as possible um, in your community and you know within your family line. You talked about uh, all of these different things. That one thing that jumped out that we didn't talk about was horse racing jockeys. You know, African American jockeys won 13 of the first 14 uh, Kentucky Derbies, and they've just been white from history. So it's not enough. I mean, I, I understand your point, but sometimes there's history that's established that's lost that you simply can't get back. It's a product of time. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, to throw your hands up in the air and say that we're not going to try to fight it, but I'm saying, like you talked about jazz, I think about jazz now, jazz is so far away from where it started, um, I don't know how you get that back. I don't, I don't see a lot of people interested in trying or see, or people think that there's enough money in jazz right now in order to try to, to, to revive that art form or try to take it back. Like you said, we, we have struggles right now over the last, I would say 20 or 30 years with um, music being taken out of the schools that we've kind of lost that, a, a lot of musicians. Um, so I don't know, I mean, I, I was sitting up listening to, listening to you talk about roller skating and I was thinking about so many other things. I don't know, I don't have an answer for it to be perfectly honest. There's a lot of, a lot of areas and a lot of history. It absolutely is. I was just gonna add, uh, there are a series of books called Lies My Teacher Told Me. Is anybody familiar with those texts? Okay. So one of the things that's the most important is educating people. So the thing that I love about those textbooks that you know I think my students 
are surprised by is that there are tons of lies that have been told throughout our educational history in an effort to push down, you know, where we were in history and all the things that we've done. So one of the things is making sure that when those lies come up or when we are removed from the information that's being presented, that we reinsert that information and reinsert the correct information. And that, and that can be done on an individual level. It doesn't have to be on some grand level. Sometimes I think we think that in order to, to do something or make a change, we gotta do it in some grand way. Start with yourself, whoever's gonna be able to listen and tell them the truth and insert that information and then hopefully they will continue to share the truth and that real information. Right. Mine is more of a sharing than it is a question. Um, my name is Salida. I'm the marketing strategist for United States and working in the efforts to get more people to see it around the country. Um, I wanted to say one, I think DC needs a rink. <laughs> um, I just have to say that because the city is so rich in African American history and it's so perfectly positioned to operate a roller rink because of the ways in which we can transport ourselves around the city by bikes and by metro and by buses. Kids don't have to struggle to get to a rink location in this part of the country. We're in rural areas where we're driving for hours. I've been a part of this community for about 18 years now. I have a nine-year-old that I'm trying to get on skates, but I have to take her to another community or jurisdiction or at least drive an hour to try and share what I love so much with her. So I just wanted to say that. Um, I know most of you may have your phone in your hands. I wanna share our email address with you so that you can follow this movement and possibly attend the screening at the Congressional Black Caucus if you were moved by the film this evening and want to see it again or bring friends to see it. It will be free for the public to see it. So our email address is info at sweet, S-W-E-E-T, ninja, N-I-N-J-A, films.com, sweet ninja films. And what I want to see in that email is just let us know what city you saw the film in. So in the subject, that would be DC. And we'll have your email address and you know how to reach us. Um, and then a lot of skaters would normally be in this room in this theater tonight, but there is a national party in Baltimore this weekend for the next three nights. So skaters have traveled from all over the country so that they can be at the Snap City party taking place over the next two or three nights. Um, so I wanted to point that out. For those of you that don't have children, but say, man, after this, I'm really in the mood to skate Temple Hills or Crystal Skate Palace. You have rinks that are close to the district. Lanham, there are rinks in Virginia. Instead of going to a club or going to a bar, next time you get in the mood to do something with friends, support a rink in this market, because that's how we keep that, that that screenshot in the film where the rinks start to turn off the lights, we need for that community to be introduced and invigorated by, you know, like another generation. I fell into skating after 9-11. I saw the plane crash into the Pentagon that morning, and it was a PTSD thing for me that went on for months. And a colleague who was a white Korean male in his 50s said, you need to go skate. I skate with the brothers and the sisters. And I'm looking at him like, what are you talking about? And he basically punked me into getting on a flight and meeting him in Chicago several months later. 
He said, meet me in Chicago, 4th of July weekend, and that was the party that you saw, not that particular one, but that event annually. I said, fine, you know, so I spent a few months in my local rink. I was living in Tampa, Florida at the time. I got on the plane a few months later, and at midnight, we skate from midnight to 5 a.m. or 11 to 4 a.m., 2,000 adults, 25 and older, there was music, there was cardio, uh, look, I was in my 20s. There was all kinds of eye candy, obviously. It was a hot scene. So from that point on, I was done, and I became a host and a coordinator of one of those parties. I left my job for skating, and I started operating rinks in different cities in the country and consulting on marketing and those things. So skating kind of took over my life, and when I saw this product, it was something that just kind of um, gave me new life has rededicated my commitment to make sure that she's exposed to it and sharing it everywhere we can. So that's that. You have the email address and that's it. Thank you. That's beautiful. I'll keep it going. All right, sir, state your name and ask a question. Hi, how you doing? My name is uh, Sharif Bob. While watching the film, I couldn't help but think about the, uh, the disappearance of jazz and so many other art forms. Um, but I couldn't help but wonder how much of it is a product of capitalism as opposed to racism. I, I feel like sometimes we easily pin things on racism and ignore the emergence of capitalism. Mm. And with that being said, I'm also, it made me also curious about um, the nexus between hip hop and skating and the role that celebrities are playing in uh, back in these institutions? Are they investing in these, uh, these spaces? I mean, what are they doing? You know, um, are we putting the onus on them? I mean, they are, I think, Green Latifah, so Pepper, various celebrities in, these, uh, in this film, excellent film, as, you know. But um, are they backing these? Have they um, gotten together and collaborated in terms of trying to save some of these institutions? Um, we spoke about policy notes within the film. Are they backing those? Um, I'm, I'm just really curious about that. What are they doing um, to try to be a part of the movement and, and, and just keeping it going? Yeah, I can say a couple things about that. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think, uh, you know, one thing that we're starting to see in a lot of documentaries is having uh, celebrity executive producers because they can lend their credibility to these issues. And you know, when you know, Michelle Obama you know, tweeted, bring back our girls, that started a movement. Um, you know, even when we think about what you know, some of the Kardashians are doing, you know, it, 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 made a, it made a difference. So there is you know, certainly a role for celebrity engagement. And this is actually the first time that I've seen celebrities talk, or excuse me, hip hop artists in particular, talk, talk about skating. So I think that's a call to action. Um, that should be issued and it would be, I think, part of a, a, a really powerful social impact campaign. So, so I'm with you and, and agree on that last point. And we did see Beyonce have skating in one of her videos and I believe there's a film, what was the name of that movie with the little bow I was in? Roll Bounce. So, go ahead, Reggie. Um, you're right. I mean, he's, he's absolutely right about the star power. At the end of the day, what do they have? Followings. People. 150 million followers on Instagram, a pair of roller skates is gonna make somebody aware. <laughs> so you, you're absolutely right about that, brother. Um, 
a lot of those different celebrities, I think what they're doing, um, everything helps. It, I mean, no matter what it is, if they're skating in a, in a, in a video, if they took an image in a pair of roller skates, if whatever they're doing that's drawing attention to roller skating, believe it or not, it's actually helping. Um, Swiss Beats was skating in his living room, you know, skating around. Just two million people saw Swiss Beats on a pair of skates just skating around. Like, man, okay, maybe I should go skating. It looks like a lot of fun. So sometimes the, the little subtle things can equal out to be big things. I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, when John Legend got on board, he believed in what we're doing. So the star power is there. There are those that are fighting and um, lending their platforms to help to propel the film. I mean, there are a lot of skaters, there are a lot of celebrities that most people don't even know that roller skate. Um, and that skating has actually been a pivotal part of their lives. Um, one that comes to mind, I mean, a friend of mine, uh, J. Cole, Jermaine. <laughs> um, J. Cole used to work at the roller skating rink. He used to be a skate guard. Um, he used to be a skate guard for a, number, a lot of years, probably about maybe four and a half years. Um, that rink that you saw in the film, uh, Roundabout Skating Rink, he used to work as a skate guard there. Um, he used to skate every day, when, like over the summer when he was young, he used to say it was his babysitter. So, you know, he's really involved in roller skating. I think Chris Brown skates um, a little bit. Um, Tyga and a few other celebrities that are out there, they, they all have lended, not only their, as you can see from the film, they lended their voices to propel. You saw Coolio, you see Salt and Pepper, and all of them sharing their experiences with, the, with roller skating. Um, I, think it's, I think everything helps, and I think one of the best things that we can do is just encourage them, at them, you know, on Twitter, maybe if they see 200,000 people, like, at United Skates, or at, get yourself in the roller ring, at, help us out, you know, somebody's gonna see something. And hopefully they'll be able to lend, you know, a bigger platform and also lend their financial resources into saving some of these rinks that they love to shoot their videos at, you know. Why pay $20,000 to rent it out when you could do $150,000 and save it for generations to come, you know? So I definitely agree with you. We, we definitely need to have some more, you know, star power and in, but also understand that everybody can be that. Everybody can be an advocate for something that they believe in. So you can be superstars of your own by just standing behind the message and just following it through. And that's how your movements are created, you know? Thank you. Okay, final question. I want to thank you all for coming out, first off, because we represent the dreams our ancestors never experienced. And you all have... Uh, brought something back that I hadn't thought about in a long time, and that was skating. Easy just talking about roll downs. And my children came up on that movie because it reminded me, I'm from Detroit, Chi-Town. Hey, so, Midwest. You know, in exactly. the house. And I think that plays a role in this too because it's so cold, you have to find something to do. So we skated. They're very cold. <laughs> and, and to a point that was made earlier, everybody's made some excellent points, especially this brother concerning lacrosse, because I'm reminded of Jim Brown. That's what I think of when I hear he says lacrosse. But when we skated as children, we did have a great deal of diversity. We had the older people there. In this room, I see about maybe two children, I think. Not that many children. But that was something that brought us all together. And also, in the inner city, Detroit, Chicago, um, you always had like an inner city subcenter. You had something that was set up where the kids could get out off the street. Something for children to do where they were educated, history, all of that, like you saw in this movie, in this film. What I'm reminded of is I think the young lady's name was Felicia out of, out of, out of Los, Angeles. Los Angeles. And the young man, her son, 
I mean, what I, what I saw was, you know, looking around in the film, you see little signs behind him that talked about, you know, no drugs and, and all these other little wonderful representations or examples or, or reminders of what he should do. And that's what you, you do see in the ranks. I, I don't, I'm, old, I'm 20 plus years older than you. So at 50 something, I'm not, I work in software. My name is Carlton Petway. He said we have to say who we were. I don't have anything to do with the film industry or any of that, but I always reach back to films like this to give my children examples of how things used to be. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be an iterative process. So, you know, like I mentioned, Roll Bounce, that movie, that's the only other movie I've seen on skating since ever. That was like 2005? I don't remember. But, you know. But I'm reminded of those kinds of, I mean, you all represent so much, and it's just wonderful to see, to see you all are keeping this alive, but just like we see these dance movies that came out for, you know, in the, in the 2000s, I think we need to talk about that. Maybe this will be uh, the start to something like that, because it does start a dialogue, and uh, I just want to thank you, so it's more of a statement than a question. Just thank you for continuing to keep it alive and, and, and letting the children know um, how we used to do it and how it can still be done and empowering at the same time. Thank you so much. That means a whole lot that uh, we are keeping it going and it is still here and who knows what the future holds. Um, the more interesting things that are going on with the film, the bigger it can get, the more eyes can see it and hopefully we we don't do quite a roll bounce too. Now, even though more so kind of like in the film, a lot of those skaters that you saw, they were the skate doubles for the skaters that you saw that were roll bounce. Uh, D Breeze, um, he doubled for Bow Wow, um, did some scenes for him. Um, you know, roll bounce. A lot of those skaters that you saw that were that were in the film, um, they were skaters from our community that were doing a lot of the skating. So hopefully, you know, it elevates in the platform to where your daughter and you know everybody else's, you know, your children, your sons. You know, can can go to the movies and see that roller skating is not only back, but it, it hasn't gone anywhere. It's more so kind of something that's still here, still prevalent, and hopefully we'll be able to kind of you know have those type of things that are around you know for generations to come. And this film will be the catalyst for it all to kind of help elevate. Thank you. All right, that's all of our time. Can I get a round of applause from our panelists? Thank you all so much. And for uh, out. I'm about to have a skate party soon. Okay. We're about to do the skate challenge on Instagram. Forget about Sierra. And, and Drake too with that Kiki song that I hate. Want to thank our panelists. Also want to thank Kevin from, uh, can I get a round of applause for Kevin? DC Black Film Fest. I just wanted to say thanks again to our panelists. Uh, obviously we had a really enriching conversation. Even out there when I was trying to do some other stuff, everybody's just talking about like the points that you guys made. But more importantly, I think having a safe space to have this discussion. And uh, the great thing about film for me is that after the lights come up, we're all like equal. We're in the same zone, emotionally moved or affected by what we saw. So let's make sure that um, we take this conversation to wherever we're going tonight, um, or even if that's like outside on 8th Street. But thanks so much for coming out. We still got a day full of uh, films tomorrow, so make sure you come on back out, dcbff.org, uh, for more information. Thanks again to the panelists. Thanks to you for coming out. Have a good night.